Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, learning and development, operations, leadership expert, and transformation strategist, Steve Rush, is a globally renowned speaker, mentor, proven business leader, executive coach, and business change architect. Steve has an accomplished track record in business transformation and change adoption, focusing on value delivery, people development, and cultural change, all with leading blue chip organizations at executive levels. He is an accredited master coach and hosts the prestigious ILM Level 7 in executive coaching and mentoring. Steve is also the author of Leadership Cake. And if that were not enough, he also hosts a leadership podcast, The Leadership Hacker. This is one busy guy. Hi, Steve. Hey, Ed. Delighted to be talking with you today. Great. So wonderful to have you. And while I did a decent effort in introducing you. I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about you know what you've done in the past and more importantly, what's brought you to doing what you do today. Sure. Uh, so we basically run a small boutique leadership development consultancy where we help people of all scales and sizes, be that a small business right the way through to executive teams and help them become the best they can be through different mediums, coaching, learning development, training, consultancy, and some thought leadership. And our goal really is just to help people become better and more effective at what they do. And that's kind of the core part of our business. Of course, the Leadership Hacker podcast that I host also, that's really just an opportunity for us to spread the word of leadership. And it allows me to hack in the minds of great leaders too. And and as you said, I, I kind of realized I am actually quite a busy guy. And if that's not enough as well, you know, it's about, you know, in my part time, I, I like to write as well. So I write for the CEO World magazine as well as blogging and stuff through LinkedIn and stuff. Well, you are a busy person. In addition to all of that, your personal life and family and everything else that uh, interrupts as well. Exactly right. So tell us what an ILM level seven uh, master coaches. I think our listeners would love to know a little bit more about that. Sure. Familiar in the UK, I would imagine. So the ILM is the Institute of Leadership and Management and their level seven is the highest level of uh, executive coaching qualification you can get. And it's the equivalent of a postgraduate diploma or a master's degree. Uh, and I focused on that as a kind of a retrofit, if you like. So I've been a prolific coach all the way through my 
corporate career and felt that as I went into the world of learning and development and consultancy, that I wanted just to get a little bit more depth, breadth and insight. So I, I set off on that journey a few years ago. So uh, delighted to hold that uh, level of accreditation as well. Fantastic. And during your corporate career, what type of roles or kind of functional areas did you work in? So pretty much man and boy, I was in banking and financial services in lots of different organizations and took on my first leadership role when I was 25 years old. And that was an interesting time. My team at that time were 10 really traditional misogynistic white men who were not particularly diverse in their thinking and their behaviors. They were all old enough to be my dad. Uh, and one, in fact, used to be my boss. So that was a real immersion into leadership. And then I kind of, I probably learned my, my most valuable leadership lessons through those few years about how to do and not to do things. And gradually worked my way through different organizations and different organizational careers and ended up as an executive director running part of the investment business or running the investment business for a, a UK uh, branch of a global bank. So uh, it was a really interesting time. So, uh, yeah, have, have, have seen leadership perspectives, if you like, from the ground to the boardroom. Wow. And, you know, I love that description of the white male misogynistic uh, leaders, because especially today, right, people, and this does require bravery in the workplace, are being encouraged more and more to be themselves and right. to speak up and use their voice. And, you know, I would imagine while you have done a ton of executive coaching and leadership and development and training, do you often get hired to help people be braver? Or do you find that that comes out kind of organically in the work that you do? So that's a great question. Uh, I, I think the short answer is yes. The, the long answer is probably people don't realize that it requires an amount of bravery to make some changes in their behaviors. So whilst people will hire me, they might not hire me to help me become more brave. It might be to, how do I become stronger in this environment? How can I be more effective in that environment? How can I develop this thinking? But actually it does take an element of bravery and courage to move beyond the current set. So for me, bravery is an outcome of a mindset. And it starts with that for me. So bravery really does start with having a mindset that says, you know, I, I can do things and I will do things and I can learn and I can test and it's okay. Well, this is one of the places that this podcast came from because in my 12 years as a leadership coach, very, very few people have ever said, hey, Ed, I need you to help me be braver. Yet almost all of them have needed help saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done. Yeah, exactly that right. Yeah, that required bravery. And so mm. it's it's almost like I wish you'd just be a little bit more honest with me and say, you know, I've got to do things or say things and I don't know how to do it or if I can and I need a little courage and bravery or structure on how to do it. Yeah, right. How about you, Steve? When you think of the word bravery, what words or phrases come to mind? So I think there's a few things that spring to mind. So in order to be brave, I think it starts with courage. So courage for me is the first steps in, in being brave and, and you know, confronting some of those fears. Other things that spring to mind would be candor. You know, being candid with people, I think, is incredibly important in the workplace. And yes, that does take some bravery sometimes because we have our own way of communicating and it sometimes doesn't land in the way our recipients receive it. But it also sometimes will take lots of bravery in order to have some of those conversations that you might not ordinarily have. And I guess the, the last thing that springs to mind is around having that strength of character and making sure that, you know, that it comes from a place of assurance and, and steadfastness, really. 
Yeah, and you mentioned a couple of things with candor that I'd like to uh, investigate for a moment. One is I would assume when you say be candid that you mean respectful candor, right? That you're always respectful of the other person, but you are telling them something or observing something or sharing with them something that you think that they should know. Helpful and honest conversations is probably how I would frame that, Ed. You're right. It's about making sure that if I've got something I've observed, I need to let that individual know that, but it needs to be helpful for them rather than just something I've observed. And then the second thing that you mentioned is that, you know, being candor, uh, candid is not common, right? It's not something we learned in college. There wasn't a class on how to be candid with others. Uh, it's not something I think a lot of people think that they're good at. And of course, as humans, we tend to follow the path of least resistance and avoid things that we're not good at. And so, you know, oftentimes we are afraid to be candid. We want to say something to somebody else or observe it, but because we're so inexperienced in how we do it, we avoid it. You know, I'd love to hear maybe some of your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think this is definitely a mindset, isn't it? So Mm -hmm. we we come from a, and and the whole philosophy and process and thinking around mindsets is very broad, isn't it? But it comes from a place of if I, if I'm have an open mindset and I have a growth mindset and I want to make sure that I'm doing things to achieve things, I'm more than likely going to try and test and learn to be candid because it is something that we have to practice to do that. Conversely, if my mindset is more of a fixed and closed mindset, then my whole setup of how I'm seeing the world through my mental lenses is going to stop me from having those conversations because it will be around preventing me from having those conversations from a fear perspective. So I think the one way to start becoming more effective at being candid is being brave enough to recognize that this is about developing your thinking and your mindset. Because by developing your mindset, you develop your thinking. You develop your thinking, in turn, what's going to happen is you will develop the right behaviors to allow you to start being more candid. And it is like anything else. It's a practice. It's something you have to do. And it's something you have to repeat and repeat and repeat until you get those tactile foundations, right? Right, right. And do you think, when you think about the work that you've done at organizations, do you think the organization needs to have this mindset of candor and bravery? Or could a person operating in an organization that hasn't come to that place demonstrate candor and bravery? I think both can exist. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I think that they will be dealt with differently. So in my experience, organizationally, there is not much focus on what's the mindset shape of my organization or the team that I lead or the business I operate. They might be very aware of behaviors. They may very be aware of you know, characteristics and psychological profiles, but less aware of the mindsets. And it's the mindsets that are going to shift the right behaviors. And at individual level, if you do have that kind of open growth promotion mindset that says, I'm going to be candid, I'm going to do this with the right intentions to be helpful, but the organization backdrop doesn't allow that, then one individual is going to bump against another. And in my experience, two things happen. That individual can help influence better thinking of the, the leadership teams that they operate in and change the environment. Or on the other hand, what you often see is that individual decides to leave the organization because you find that there is a cultural mismatch between those two. Well, a lot of the folks that I have worked with would say that one of the reasons they're not as brave as they'd like to be or want to be is that culturally it's not a fit, that that's just, you know, quote unquote, not how we operate around here, Ed. So 
I would either stand out in a way that I don't want to stand out or I'm worried it may not be a good fit. And I like your model of you know role modeling and influencing this behavior, because if you do it effectively, others will want to do it as well. And perhaps you can influence the organization to move in that direction versus avoiding it. And in a way that's the silence is not helpful, right? That by not speaking doesn't help anybody. You're, you're not influencing anyone. And of course, the other thing to consider at this stage is that individuals have their own perspective on things. They're, they're, they have to make sure that they keep themselves in a job. And sometimes the recipient of feedback or candor might actually not receive it that well. And that could put that individual's career in jeopardy and therefore will often not provide that feedback or that insight or that candor that we would really desire in an open and progressive culture. Well, and that's where I think mindset comes in because you need to ensure that you have a good relationship with others so that you can venture into these areas from time to time without uh, creating an offensive type of conversation. This is one of the key reasons throughout this podcast and in my own work experience that people would avoid saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done because they're afraid of the reaction. And they're like, well, I'm not going to tell Steve that because, you know, I want to be employed and he's not going to be happy to hear it. And, you know, it's going to alter our relationship negatively. And so I'm just going to suffer or allow it to continue to happen. How about a story from you, Steve? Uh, Podcast guests that we've had in the past have shared a story where they have either shared or did not share uh, experience a a situation, including bravery, as one of the motivators. How about you? Do you have a story that you could share with us? I've got two stories to share with you, Ed. And the reason there's two is because one gives a positive outcome and one's less positive, or at least it was less positive to start with. And, and ironically, it has a lot to do with candor. So, so I was an executive director uh, running a um, significant business, multi-billion pound operation for, for, the, for this bank. And uh, my boss at that time and I were getting together for our year end of year appraisal. And as part of that appraisal, we kind of were agreeing and disagreeing on different things. And at one point she said, I really want to just give you some feedback. And at that point I'm, yeah, let's have it. Great. I'm all up for that. And she provided lots of feedback that didn't really provide me with any insight or evidence about how I could do things differently. It was almost as if she was just imparting how she was feeling and how she was thinking rather than actually giving me feedback. So it was it almost it was more around her getting stuff off her chest rather than giving me feedback. And every time I asked her for specific examples, because you know, I was at that stage, I was really restless and curious, and I wanted to find out how I could do things different. So I would ask, you know, give me a specific example. Well, when you say you noticed that, well, where did you notice that? And when you've observed these things happening, where specifically were those things happening? And you know what? She could not provide me with an ounce of evidence. And that really kind of frustrated me and infuriated me. So this was my opportunity to be brave because she then subsequently asked me to give her feedback, which is often, you know, the kind of, this is how it goes in a boss, you know, employee relationship. I'll, I'll give you some feedback. Now it's your turn to give me feedback. And actually, I don't really think she wanted feedback. I think it was part of the process that she was going through. So subsequently, I probably had a year of frustrations and specific examples of my boss not giving me the the clarity I needed and 
the specific example through feedback and so on and so forth. But when it came to my point, I gave her specific examples of feedback throughout the year of what she'd done, how it was, how it landed, how it impacted on me, the consequences of that positively and adversely. Uh, and I probably just let go a little bit too much on the feedback front. And I was absolutely candid and I was absolutely candid with good intention because I think I, I thought it was really helpful for her to know how her operating style was impacted on me. Long story short, at the end of kind of 20 minutes of me giving her feedback, we both kind of sat back in our chairs and puffed and looked at each other and said, well, where do we go from here then? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I said, I don't know, but I kind of don't think I can work here anymore. And uh, I had never intended that when I went into the office that day, that I would leave that day having kind of almost resigned. And I say almost resigned because I subsequently left and, you know, I negotiated an exit with the business. And um, and that was the bravest thing I think I'd ever done at that point because it was journey into the unknown. And you know what? Had I not done that, you and I would not be talking now. So it was the, the catalyst to me to uh, find myself, find what I was good at, find uh, an element of work life that I could you know really start to help other people and and it you know within six months I set up improved consulting and and had my business so that's a perfect example and I guess what, what I learned from that experience Ed was that it's okay to be brave and actually even at that point in time you know I remember leaving that office that day feeling really down feeling very low quite concerned about what the future uh, was going to hold it was the right thing to do. It was absolutely the right thing to do for me, for my family, and probably for the organization because they probably weren't getting the best out of me at that time. And that bravery subsequently opened up other opportunities for me to be brave um, by setting up a new business and finding new clients and new ways of working and getting used to not having a paycheck every month and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, like so many of our guests and so many of our listeners, something at the moment that feels like a mistake or an error upon reflection sometimes years later was the best thing that could have ever happened right so i think that may might be what you experienced definitely so and i think it was steve jobs who coined the phrase you can't join the dots forward but you'll always be able to look back and join the dots backwards <laughs> and sometimes just knowing that there is going to be another dot and another dot we just don't know what it is yet and and having that bravery to know that it's there just keep following your, your thinking, following your heart, following what your passion is, you will unlock the next dot. And then when you look back, you go, ah, that's why that happened. Well, great. And how about your second story? Yeah, so my second story was was more of an operational story, but it was one that when I look back over my career, I hold with, so firstly, it took loads of bravery to execute this, but it was the one that had the biggest impact on my business at that time. So to give you some context, I was probably running uh, a, a part of, a, of an organization in the metropolitan area of London in the banking sector, where that probably covered about 100 retail bank branches. And um, my job as that divisional director was to look after and oversee the, the well-being of the investment advisors in those branches. And of those 100 uh, advisors across that particular division at that time, I was noticing that people were traveling across the city from one end to the other end and taking two hours to do their commute. And we had, 
you know, fat cats sat in big branches who were milking the opportunity. And we had really ambitious young people in small branches who were biting to get on and fighting to get on, but just didn't have the opportunity. And I, and I sat down with my, my regional managers and I said, this just feels a little bit awkward because we have people who are not working hard, making loads of money. We have people who are working hard and not earning any cash. We've got ambitious people and we've got people who are sat an opportunity. And, uh, and I desperately wanted to just find a way of how we could meet people's ambitions with opportunity. So I asked them to take a step back and to be brave at this stage. And the first thing I invited them to think about was just to trust me because as regional managers, they had their own invested interest in how things were. And I asked them to take the bigger view, look at the division that we were working in. And if they took the division view with me, I would have their back every step of the way. Long story short, we we took a whole map of the division and we divvied it up and we looked at the personnel we had and the people we had working in different divisions, different branches and different locations. We put our most ambitious managers into the most ambitious branches. We put the most, uh, the highest opportunity we put with the most capable people we stopped people driving across the city from one end to another so that we could give them the best opportunity that improved their work-life balance we created 11 promotions in that time as well as kind of moving people around so of the 100 branches we made 46 changes in one foul swoop and that, that was just an amazing amazing opportunity for me and my leadership team to demonstrate that we were being really strategic in what we did. And as a result of that, you know, not only did we see those people who were desperate to find ambition, meet that ambition with great results. So we saw productivity shoot up 20% year on year. Our employee engagement went up 22 points within a year. And in the division or the organization, there were five divisions and uh, the London and Metropolitan Division that I was leading was fifth out of five within one year. That was the first and most uh, highest performing division in uh, out of the five. So in 12 months, we, we, we'd managed to shift the dial so much in doing so. And, and that was brave on everybody's front, not just mine and my leadership team, but there were people who we were asking to take a big step and a big move from being comfortable and in control in big branches, but to take on new opportunities. And we were asking people to step into roles that they'd never led before or done before. So this was a, a whole story of bravery. And I, and, and I guess when I look back, the, the biggest, the biggest learning that kind of enabled that for me was that we were really thoughtful about this from a people perspective we were really thoughtful about this from an organizational perspective, a customer perspective, and we spent an inordinate amount of time just getting that thinking, communication, and care right so that when we pushed the button on day one of the reorganization, it was done with with respect and good intention. People knew what they were doing because we provided the context and we provided the vision for where we were going. Uh, and it was just one of those stories that when you look back on your career, if ever, you know, I, I was faced with a job interview, it'd be one that would be the story that I would absolutely call on time and again, because there was so much learning to be had out of that experience of just being brave. Well, and what I love about both of your stories, Steve, is that an opportunity arose and you took action. Often, right? Oftentimes an opportunity arises and people avoid or delay or whatever. 
But I think in both cases, something happened. You were asked a question or you saw a situation that needed attention and you took action, both of which that required bravery. So, well, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm curious if you could share ways that folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to hear more about your stories or talk to you about your business. I'd love to connect with any of your listeners, Ed. The best way that they can do that and is probably via LinkedIn. So you'll find me on LinkedIn. If you type in Steve Rush or you type in the Leadership Cake Guy, you'll find me via LinkedIn. You can also find me through our podcast. So wherever you download your podcast, you'll also find links to our social media there too. So that's the Leadership Hacker podcast. And our website for the podcast is leadership-hacker.com. Well, fantastic. Thanks again, Steve. It was really great speaking with you today. Great speaking to you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.